and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catrum. Let's go. And also, if you're not already following us on the various social media channels, Business World Wealth Show, and if you are not subscribed to this channel, make sure you subscribe, okay? So if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. If you're watching it anywhere else, follow us, let us know what's going on. And remember to take the Business Growth Quiz, businessgrowthquiz.me, businessgrowthquiz.me. That will help you to identify the area of your business that you need to put attention on. Otherwise, it may bite you, which we don't want. On that note, I want to welcome James I. Bond. Not James Bond, before you start getting your cocktails out. James I. Bond, all the way from Southern California. James, thank you for joining us here on the Business and Wealth Show. Oh, Mac, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I am as well to hear about your subject. Now, for those who don't know James, James is one of America's leading behavioral management and business marketing specialists. So we're talking about human behavior. What gets people to do what they do? And how can you utilize that in your favor when it comes to business, entrepreneurship, leadership, management, people? So James, I want to kick off by asking the question, what got you know what was your entrepreneurial background how did you get started as an entrepreneur before we start going into human psychology and we start talking about behavior and how the audience can really understand all of that and use that to their favor what was your entrepreneurial background well i'm going to talk about brain glue and i'm going to sort of tell you how i got this okay now brain glue it, people consider it one of the most powerful persuasion books ever. And if we're in business or marketing and you don't know persuasion, we have a disadvantage because you're trying to, you know, uh, persuade clients, people to become clients. You're trying to persuade, um, you know, people to work with you, uh, partners, maybe suppliers, whatever else. Okay. Um, but also usually in business, we have a, a deeper, you know, our, our focus on values and we want to sell our values. And so we want to understand that, when we understand the power of persuasion, it won't just help us make a lot more money, which we want to do, but it also helps us, um, you know, to get our our um, um, concepts that are really important to us uh, communicated right. and uh, getting people buying into it. Um, I'm originally from Montreal. I live in Southern California now. We've lived here for 37 years. Uh, but in Montreal, I ran an advertising agency. I work my way. I actually have my dad was an entrepreneur. OK, just take you really back. OK, OK. He never told me how business was created. I would work in the back room with like, I'm the oldest of four kids and me and one of my brothers would be like folding towels and like doing all this other stuff while they'd be doing business in the front room. And I never, and so I was like fascinated by how is business created? How is growth happen? How do you know, and all yeah. that stuff Yeah. in school, they put me in mechanical engineering because I'm a uh, very good at math without realizing I love psychology. I love art. And it's like, you know, it's, and so <laughs> it must be I, frustrating. I really yeah. And, and so I would take when I because I got exposed to it in college, psychology programs, and I love them. And so they said, OK, hey, Bond, you, you've used them up. You can't use any more electives. I said, ah, oh, but I love psychology. It's too bad. You can't. I said, OK, fine. So what I, I was a really bad boy, what I would do is I would sign up at the, and the courses for all the engineering classes and everything else. 
And then uh -huh. I go to course change and change them to all the psychology classes. Okay. <laughs> after three, after two and a half years, they caught me and they basically said, you can't be doing that. You know, okay. I love psychology. Mm. Eventually. Um, and as I was putting myself through school, I um, um, started an advertising agency and I, cause I was fascinated by art and photography and and so I, I, I worked my way up and built an agency and we won major, some of the world's biggest clients, Kraft Foods, Timex Watches, wow. Avon Cosmetics, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, their world headquarters is there, you know, uh, booze. And it was just funny because I'm not a booze drinker, really. <laughs> we won Seagram's. It yeah. was like, oh, wow. thank you, Heavenly Father, whatever. <laughs> but um, I had the opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in America. We had powerful, logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then I saw the ad that won and it terrified me and because it was so much better than our ad. And it was uh, an ad, a TV ad with a guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain. Then he cracked the shell and dropped oh, wow. the egg into a sizzling frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any wow. Questions? And when I saw the ad, two things happened. The first one was like, this was prof profoundly more powerful than what we had. We had logical reasons to not do drugs, but this was emotion. Mm. And it was like so much more powerful than logic. But what terrified me also was I didn't know how to do emotional selling. I'm a logical guy. Mm. And so I was like terrified, you know, how can I be in advertising and marketing in life and not know how to do emotional selling? Okay. And so I took a three by five card. I love three by five cards. And I wrote your brain on drugs on a three by five card. So I'd remember the ad and I wow. decided to create a passion box. Right next to my computer, I put a box, a passion box, I called it. And every time I saw an ad or heard something that was profoundly emotional selling, I was going to put it in a box, including quotes, quotes from famous people. You know, if I heard a quote and I was like, wow, that's really great. You know, uh, I instead of trying to overanalyze it, I put it in the box. Okay. Mm -hmm. After more than 10 years of doing this, you can imagine how big the box was. Actually, my wow. wife hated going to doctor's offices with me. Because I'd be reading a magazine that I didn't normally have, you know, Vogue magazine. I'm not a Vogue subscriber. And I yeah. go, oh, wow, look at this ad. She goes, do not tear it out of the magazine. I said, no, no, <laughs> I one. have to put it in my passion box. Look at how great this is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and she would sit far away like, I do not know that guy. But anyway, after ten, about ten, more, a little more than 10 years, and I was living in Southern California at the time, I met John Gray. And John okay. Gray wrote. Uh, he wrote an incredible, one of the best relationship books ever. And it was called mm. Men, Women, and Relationships. Oh. Hang, on. Hang oh. on. I know you know who I mean. Okay. And he was telling me that he was frustrated because people would read the book and go like, this is profound. But he only sold a few thousand copies. Then he got this crazy idea. What if I change the title to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? Right. And then tweak the content just a little so it refers to it throughout the book. Right. What do you think happened? It just Almost took overnight, off. he yeah. sold half a million copies. He was struggling from 20,000 to half a million, then a million, then two million. I say in my book, he sold 10 million copies. And I know Steve Harrison, who helps him with, helped him with marketing. I think he yeah. still does. And Steve said, you're wrong. And I said, well, I did my research. And I said, I understand. We're over 50 million copies sold now. Forget this 10 stuff. We're over. He went from 20,000 to 50 million, 50 million copies just because he changed the title. Amazing. So when I went home, I was first I was writing um, Men Are From Mars on a 3x5 card. Girls love my 3x5 cards. And before I put it in a box, I stopped and I went, wait a second. 
that's a metaphor. Men aren't really from a different planet, although some people think we're from a different planet. I know, yeah. especially, and you have good reason to believe it. But no, we're not really from a different planet. But it's a metaphor. And I realized also that this is your brain on drugs is also a metaphor. You know, because we're not, it's not an egg. It's, it's not a brain they're showing. It's an egg. Yeah. And I started thinking, is metaphors the secret or one of the secrets to emotional selling? So mm -hmm. I took the passion box and I dumped it on my bed because I had lots of room on my bed. And I started, and I suddenly realized that metaphors is one of 14 brain triggers at the heart of emotional selling. And it, I thought it was going to blow my mind. It's like, can I take an ad or can I uh, take a client to help them change the name of a product and suddenly have sales explode? Okay. I mean, it was like, so I started, up, so I, I went, you know, because we get theories, okay? So mm. I got a theory. I went like, wow, this seems to work in so many ways. And, and being a consultant, I've been a consultant and I train consultants and teach consultants through the U.S. Small Business Administration. I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And so I, I didn't call it brain glue yet, but I understood the concept of how this worked. You know, I call it brain glue now because it sticks to the brain. These are things that stick to the brain like glue which makes sales much easier and it makes sales mm. explode. So I, I had a, um, um, a construction company I was working with. I had no experience with construction companies. So, but these guys were three guys who after 10 years had 2 million of sales. That's not bad. 2 million of sales. Yeah. <laughs> I took them to 10 million in one year by applying brain glue. They reached 32 million two years later. I'll tell you how I did it. Okay. okay. Interesting. Pay attention, guys. Like, wow, this stuff like works. I started mm. using it on clients and like their sales exploded and then, you know, and just, we started using it on ourselves. But so, okay. So these, these three guys after 10 years had $2 million of sales, not bad. So I love whiteboards. So I pulled out a whiteboard and I said, uh, let's make a shopping list of all the, over the 10 years, let's make a shopping list of all the different types of clients you've worked with. Right. Okay. So, okay. You know, somebody repairing something in their house, a uh, roof collapsed or whatever, you know, whatever else made a shopping list of all these different uh, clients they've worked with. It took a while, about an hour because, you know, over 10 years, you work with lots of different types of clients. Then I said, let's play a game. Let's pretend you're only going to work with one kind of client and you're not going to work with anybody else. Let's pick who it would be. And they said, well, we don't want to say no to anybody. I said, okay, it's a game. Ha ha ha, you know, but it's a game. Let's think of it as a game. We're just going to go through all these clients and say, who would you love? If you're just going to focus on one niche, which one would you focus on? Took a while. They eventually came up with fire restoration for insurance companies. I didn't know what the heck that is. So I said, what's that? And they said, well, you know, there are two different companies, insurance companies that we've worked with. One gave us one and the other gave us two clients that they had that had a fire. And we go and when we go in, when there's a fire, the first thing we check is for the frame if the frame of the building is damaged we have to tear down the whole building but if oh, it's wow. not then you can fix the building and repair it and all that stuff okay yeah and so i said okay fire restoration for insurance companies so now focusing on brain glue i said well let's think of the trigger inside their brain okay so if they have a client that has a fire then the first word they're thinking of is fire yeah so why don't we come up with a phrase that's fire why don't we call you guys the fire extinguisher for insurance companies you know, we'll oh, okay. call it a website FireX. And they kind of right. laughed and they said, okay, well, I said, well, okay. so I went with them on the first two uh, prospect uh, uh, insurance companies that, that we we're going after. I said, and I would say, just think of us as your fire extinguisher. You know, we're not going to put out the fire, but we put out all the fire problems for you. So whenever you have a client that has a fire, call us, we're the fire extinguisher. Cool. The clients laughed, but laughers are buyers. 
Wow. And suddenly they started, you know, the phone started ringing and these guys were getting like every time there was a fire, these insurance, and they started promoting it to other insurance companies. They started getting like all this business. They literally went from two, after 10 years, they reached 2 million. In one year, they reached 10 million. And by the way, they razzed me. They said, hey, Bond, it was supposed to be 12 million, you know, because I said, let's come up with a goal. And I said, shut up. They bought <laughs> each other the biggest BMW. They're Beamer lovers, you know, so they have got yeah. brand new three BMWs in front of their business and all that stuff. You know, so I said, shut Fantastic. up. That's, that's a great example right there. Exploded because, yeah, because we're triggering, you know, the brain. We're understanding the brain triggers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so, amazing. And so as I, mean, I did research, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I was going to say, why? Because what you're angling at is metaphors and emotional selling. Something happens, someone has an emotional trigger. Why is emotion so important when it comes to marketing and sales well emotion is important when it comes to life right okay i mean when you think about it i mean if you if you're in a career that you're not emotionally passionate about then you want you become depressed you know i mean if you're in business and you create a product and you're not passionate about the product how are you going to sell it Mm -hmm. okay i remember when i started in advertising um, I hated selling. I was in business. I So I, I brought my brother on, one of my brothers. And family and business doesn't always mix. I love my brother dearly. But I learned, you know, he was good at selling and I was not good at selling. And it really pissed me off that he could sell me better than I could sell me. Okay. And so we eventually broke up as, as family in business. And we, I still am very close to my brother. I love him. But mm-hmm. not in business. Okay. And I had to learn selling. And I remember Zig Ziglar, the most motivational speaker and trainer, yeah. sales trainer, he said something that was really profound to me. And it was selling is nothing more than a transference of passion. Okay. Right. And I went, oh, okay. He said, look, if you're not passionate about something, you know, maybe you can come up with some tools but to ha- on how to sell. But if you're not passionate about something, it's hard to sell. But if you, like I see, if you see a movie, I saw Hidden Figures. I don't know if you know that, you, that movie. I Great love movie. Hidden Figures. Great movie. Uh, I told everyone women, about The black women who, yeah. in NASA and the history, I mean, well, it's profound. Absolutely. What a fabulous movie. You don't have to tell me how to sell that movie to my friends and everything. Oh, you have to see. It's so amazing. Da, da, da. You know, I mean, we know when we have passion, it's easy to sell. Okay. Yeah. I remember my dad was telling me something. And I said, no. And I got all passionate and he stopped arguing with me. (laughs) And I just, I remember this in my mind. I just remember it now because he realized I was so passionate. He wasn't going to try to fight me on this thing. There you go. Which is like, wow. Yeah. We're driven by passion. There are two famous people. There's um, uh, Gerald Saltman, who's a professor at Harvard Business School. And Daniel Kahneman, who's a Nobel Prize winning psychologist, and both of them uncovered and showed how more than 90% of buying decisions are emotionally triggered. Logic mm-hmm. can be a part, but it's the emotion centers of the brain. In marketing, we say you want people to know, like, and trust you. Okay, yeah. I got that. But you don't always have that luxury, especially if you're doing advertising. So yeah. you need to find uh, other tools. You want to use other tools. And so, you know, it's, it's, we're driven by passion. I work with a, a paint manufacturer, about $25 million of sales. I took them to about $38 million. But what I did more importantly was I changed the passion they had. So I went in and I'm working with a paint company and they were all telling me, that it's like it was programmed in all their brains. Yeah, we work for a paint company. It's kind of paint's boring, you know. But I discovered that we actually, they actually used our paint for the movie Titanic. On the because oh. they needed a paint that had a good texture but would also not be dissolved on the from the uh, 
um, yeah. you know, from the uh, water and all that stuff from the salt water. And they used our paint. So I started putting posters of it was when Titanic was just becoming famous. And I yeah. put posters of Titanic all over the all over the building. And they were like, yeah. And I said, hey, we're the guys. It's our paint on Titanic. OK, the next thing was one of the guys said, uh, who's a designer, he actually has patents on uh, airplane paint. OK, what's that all about? You know, why do you need patents on airplane paint? He said, well, there are a few things. The first is when a plane takes uh, you can't you can't put. It has to be as thin as possible, the paint, because right. the more paint it is, the heavier it makes the plane. Of course. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, when it, it you can't have paint fading, even though you're way up there in the sky, so you don't you don't have as much protection. So the UV rays and whatever else is going to fade the paint. So if yeah. every time your plane landed, you've got faded paint, you start thinking, oh, I don't know if we want to take that plane. It looks old. And then the third thing was even though it's a really thin coat of paint and it's got good color on it, it could be very, very hot up there and it lands in the snow. So it goes through massive temperature changes. Right. So to me, it's fascinating. It's like, wow, I didn't know that about paint. And I'm like, I'm telling these guys like, wow, this is amazing. And they start becoming passionate and selling a lot more paint. But what they also did was, um, I mean, it just became easy to sell. So it was called a paint and coatings company. And I said, What's coatings? And they said, well, all paint is a coating. Okay, it's okay. color coating, but it's a coating, you know? I said, oh, okay, so so it's textures. So I said, okay, well, what do you guys like? You know, like, what are some of the things you do? And some of these guys said, well, we play electric guitar. We play guitar. We have a band after hours. Mm. We have lots of fun. And we have uh, Gibson guitars that's just down the street from us. So it's about half a mile away. They said, uh, well, we sell coatings. Why don't you... Would you be interested in talking to them about changing the coatings on the on the guitars? So that maybe you can have different types of guitar uh, coating. And they went, ah, oh, wow! They won Gibson guitars and got a lab. We created a lab inside our the business that had guitars hanging with different types of textures and colors and things like that. It was really amazing. amazing. But where did it come from? It came from passion. Once they, mm. I triggered the passion in them. They realized, whoa, okay. It's more than just that. I mean, it's it's things like rhyme. You know, I mean, uh, O.J. Simpson in America had the trial, the O.J. Simpson trial. And as I, as I say this, you're smiling. Most people know the I phrase, know it. Yeah. if the glove doesn't fit, you have to you acquit. Have to acquit. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And so I remember after the trial, and that was Johnny Cochran, who's the attorney, he was fabulous, but he understood this. Okay, It was actually one of his friends that gave him the quote. But what he, he recognized the power of rhyme. Rhyme is a powerful one, okay? Mm. If I say Jack and Joe went up the... Hill, yes, indeed. Okay? Hill, yeah. How many people around the world know that, okay? And we, if we heard the nursery rhyme, we might have heard it when we were, you know, like 10, 20, maybe 50 years ago, for me, 50 years ago. Right. And yet I remember like it was yesterday, on my deathbed, I'd be... Uh, and they'd you say, hey, know. James, Jack and Joe went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. You know what That's I mean? right. It sticks to the brain. And so with the oh. products, so so he understood that. And so I remember after the OJ trial, two of the jurors were asked, with all that evidence against OJ, how come you found him not guilty? And there were two jurors, and one of them is nodding her head in agreement while the other one explains, we knew if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. The glove didn't fit. We had to acquit. Crazy, okay. huh? Crazy. Hey, listen, right. tell us about brain glue. Now, you know, I know you've been hinting at it. You've been sharing some elements of it. What is brain glue? So brain glue understands the patterns of the brain. There's something called um, uh, there's something called redintegration, which is the brain's need for completion. Okay? okay, 
And so I, I went into the living room and my wife is watching a TV show. And I said, hey, is this any good? She said, no, it's stupid. So I said, why are you watching it? She said, I want to see how it turns out. <laughs> okay. Okay. When we start something, you, you know, finish it. our brain likes the end of it. Okay. In fact, so what's the most powerful tool of human interaction? I'm using it now, aren't I? Can you tell what I'm doing? I'm using questions. Questions. Questions okay. are because when we hear a question, I'll talk to an audience of like with the small business administration to like, you know, uh, uh, you know, like 200 people, 300 people. And I'll say, okay, so if I keep asking you a question, you're going to keep nodding your heads, right? And they nod their heads. I said, should I keep asking you questions? What do you think? I said, so you're not nodding your heads now, but inside you're still thinking of right. uh, answering right. the question because it's wired into us. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we understand it, the patterns that are wired into us, then we can understand how to use those patterns to sell. I'll give you examples. Okay. I'll give you some examples. So uh, we have analogy. I talked about that analogy and metaphor, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I work with Jack Canfield, Jack Canfield wrote chicken soup for the soul. Right. So that's, you mean you open up the book and you get chicken soup? No. <laughs> You know, he was telling me how I, he loves the book. I mean, he's forcing everybody in his, he's, he sold 500 million books. Can you imagine amazing, 500 amazing. million? I mean, how many people are there in America and Britain combined? That's it's right. not 500 million, you know? Yeah, that's so true. 100 million chicken soup for the soul and 400 million of the other chicken soup books, chicken soup for the teenage soul, chicken soup for the yeah. cancer survivor soul, et cetera. But he said he wrote the book and originally they were thinking they would call it 101 uh, motivational stories that would change your life. Wow. A big deal. That's logic. And okay, that's yeah. a, you know, it's a, yet another story. And it bothered him. And it took him about a month. And he said he woke up one day and he was thinking chicken soup makes you feel good if you're feeling sick, mm. you know, for a lot of people. Huh, what if I call my book chicken soup because it makes you feel good? Chicken soup for the spirit. Okay, mm. chicken soup for the spirit. He said it doesn't really resonate yet, but it's kind of close. Chicken soup for the spirit because it helps your spirit. And then he said after a few nights of sleepless nights, actually, he thought he came up with alliteration, the repetition of sounds. S-O-U-P, S-O-U-L, soup, right. soul. Huh, what, chicken soup for the soul. That resonates a lot more. And suddenly, you know, I mean, he had to work a little bit to get people to understand what it was, but they started yeah. selling like crazy. And he sold 500 million books. Amazing. I'll take that. You know, we talk about the iPhone. How many phones? Do you have? They only sold 500 million iPhones. So so Jack Canfield sold as many books as, as, as uh, Steve Jobs sold iPhones. I mean, wow. Amazing. You know? Amazing. All because of the name. Okay. And so if you take a look at a bunch of names, of, uh, I'll give you some of the tools. Okay. Squatty Potty. Okay. So it's, it's a mom and her son in Utah mm. that came up with uh, a toilet stool. Because okay. they recognize that the son actually recognized that his mom was having trouble going to the bathroom. I don't want to get too much into it, but she's having right. trouble going to the bathroom. And there's physiologically, if you can raise your feet when you're in the, in the in, on a toilet about six inches, it actually helps you go into the bathroom. Okay, I don't right. want to get too much into it. Right. So they were thinking, so it's a toilet stool. My wife said they should have called it the stool stool, but I don't think that would be a good <laughs> name. Okay. But so the toilet stool doesn't sound like a very good name. Toilet stool. Hey, you want to buy the toilet stool? You know. But they were thinking, so they were thinking, like, what's a synonym for, what's another way to say toilet? Potty. potty. It's a potty. potty. And then they were thinking, well, I have to, I'm kind of squatting. Squatty potty. Rhyme. Right. Okay? Right. So they came up with the name Squatty Potty and sales exploded. They started making a ton of money. They finally made it out to Shark Tank and the investors on Shark Tank were standing in line to invest in them, all because the name triggers parts of the brain. Right. So how about, uh, how would you like 
to invent a product and your biggest competitor steals it from you. Okay. You invent an idea for a product and your mm. biggest competitor steals it from you and makes a gazillion dollars, makes a fortune, and you have to stop selling it because you can't even make a, a living with it. Okay. Welcome to Kellogg's and Post Cereals. Okay. Okay. Post Cereals, the head of Post Cereals, invented this really great cake that has jelly inside it, like strawberry, blueberry, yeah. raspberry. And you put it in a toaster. Okay, you already know what product I'm, I'm, I'm with about. you. I'm with you. Put it in a toaster, and then it pops out of the toaster, and you've got a nice warm cake that you could use for breakfast, for lunch, for snacks, and everything else. Three months, they called it Country Squares. Okay? Oh wow, <laughs> doesn't three months, exactly. You shake your head no. Three months, <clears throat> he, he the head of Post was so excited about this amazing invention he came up with that three months before they launched the product, he promoted it to the press. You know, he started showing it to the press. Look, we have this new product we're coming up with called Country Squares. And look at what it does. So the head of Kellogg's, <laughs> competitor, wow. wow, looked at it and said, oh, my gosh, that's an incredible product. And he forced his people to invent, to figure out how to make that product, okay? Yeah. But then he wanted a name that was a really much better name. So first, it pops out of the toaster. So we should have pop. That's a good one. And then back then, Andy Warhol was really famous, the uh, um, pop artist, okay? Yeah. And so the words pop art was really, uh, this is called anchoring in uh, brain group. Okay. It's already in people's minds, pop art. So why don't we call it pop tarts? Makes sense. You know, the rest, as they say, is history. So what happened was he launched it like a competitor would a week before post launch their country squares. Oh, okay. They sold out almost immediately. People were like, what an amazing, we love this product. And they sold out. He ran full page ads in major newspapers like, uh, you know, New York Times or whatever, apologizing and saying, we are so sorry we ran out of okay. Pop-Tarts. Mm -mm. But if you hold on for about a week, we're going to have more inside the stores. We didn't realize how much you're going to love this. And Amazing. so did people go out and buy Country Squares? No. no. They no. waited for Pop-Tarts to be available and they bought Pop-Tarts. Within six months, Post Cereal stopped selling Country Squares because nobody was buying it. And Pop-Tarts became the biggest selling product by far that Kellogg's had ever uh, sold. All because of the name. You know, oh could it be the name of your product or service with my uh, construction guys? Change everything? Absolutely. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. It's a, I mean, okay. how, about, how about, go ahead. No, no, it's fantastic. Great. So I'm thinking here to put some of the list, you know, people listening in who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs and they're thinking, I love what James is saying here. Do you have a three-step, four-step, or five-step process to say, hey, you're looking for a, a, a name for your service or your products and consider this, this, this. Do you have anything like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fire, no. fire away then. What's the steps? So first, brain glue is for logical people to come up with emotional trigger names. Okay. Interesting. Right. That's what it is. And so if you're a logical, if you're an emotional person, you, you have an advantage over us. Okay. But most people in business are logical because yeah. you're solving a problem that a client has or you're inventing a product, whatever else it is. Okay. Correct. So, the first, so don't turn off your logic. Start with logic, like Squatty Potty, okay? Come up with a logical name for what you think the product would be. And then you start applying emotional triggers. And let me give you an example, if I can, with um, uh, with uh, Rocky Road Ice Cream. Okay. okay. So Rocky Road Ice Cream is a perfect example because it uses three brain glue tools. And this is what you do is you start with... So um, Rocky Road... Um, helped Dryer's Ice Cream. Dryer's Ice Cream was struggling during the Great Depression in America. 
and then they came and back then they had three types of ice cream chocolate vanilla strawberry that was it and they came up with the idea of mixing it let's put nuts and marshmallows in chocolate ice cream okay then they want to come up with a name so it doesn't you have rocks in it they call it rocky road okay they actually stole the name from somebody else but that's a whole other story but when you open up rocky road ice cream you go oh look there's rocks inside it no there's not rocks it's chocolate ice cream with nuts and marshmallows but it's bumpy like a rocky road so right. they went, okay, so they came up with a metaphor or analogy. It's like rocky road. It's like a rocky road. The second thing they used was alliteration, the repetition of sounds, rocky road. And mm. I suddenly realized how many Blockbuster products use alliteration. Coca-Cola, Best Buy, PayPal, uh, TikTok, right. Right. Lululemon. I mean, it's just when you use a, a alliteration, the repetition of sound, the brain likes that, Okay. So Rocky Road, ru, ru, Rocky Road, okay, uh, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, there are certain names that, you know, yes. Barack Obama. I mean, they're just, there are names that resonate, okay, well, well, because yeah. of the repetition of sound. So the first thing they used was a metaphor or a, a, a simile, you know, it's just like Rocky Road. Yeah. Second one is it, Rocky Road, it uses uh, alliteration, repetition of sound, Rocky Road. The third thing it used was humor. And here's how they used humor. Back in the Great Depression, which is when it was launched, people called the Great Depression a rocky road. We're all on a rocky road. Okay. So they said, we're all on a rocky road anyway. We might as well have rocky road ice cream. Right. <laughs> and it's, right. When you think of it that way, it's it's humor and it, it makes people laugh. Uh-huh. And so it's amazing when you take these tools and you understand the logic of it. It's okay. It's chocolate with nuts and marshmallows. So I'm going to call it chocolate with nuts and marshmallows. But we don't want to call it that because that's kind of boring. So what can we call it? Well, it's, what is it? Well, it's bumpy like a rocky road. Let's call it a rocky road, okay? And then nice. alliteration, r- 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 rocky road, okay? Use alliteration, repetition of sounds. And then humor can help too. But right. so, and I'll, and I'll give you one last story, okay? But a story sure. on this, I'm talking about so there, There's three key things you said there. So, got it. Metaphor uh, or? Metaphor, uh, okay. right which is what's it like that's the first thing because i want to give you an example of that one because i think it'll slow your minds then the second one is alliteration a repetition of sound yeah and then the third one is humor if you can use this right so paul tran invented an electric razor for man's private areas i don't want to get too much into this but for man's private areas okay oh yeah he wanted to come up with a name that uh it doesn't offend people, but less people know what the product does. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So as a metaphor, what's it like? It's like a lawnmower. Yeah. He decides to call it a lawnmower. And in fact, he decides to change the name of his company to Manscaped. Manscaped. We're going to landscape a man with a lawnmower. Okay. Now I never bought one, but if I did, I wouldn't share it with other, my friends. Okay. Let's start this. Right. Okay. The lawnmower. But I would tell them the story. I say, Hey, guess what? I just bought what I bought the lawnmower. The lawnmower, what, you have to mow your lawn? No, 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 no. It's for men's private areas. They start laughing and they say, hey, guess what James just bought? He bought the lawnmower. And they start sharing the story. And word of mouth would make it explode like crazy. So metaphors are really powerful. So you always mm-hmm. start start with the logic of what is this? Okay, it's an electric razor for men's private areas. Okay, what's it like? I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's like mowing a lawn, kind of. Okay, huh. Maybe I can call it the lawnmower. That would be making people laugh, right. but they'll buy it. Can you see it in a store display? And it says the lawnmower in big letters with an arrow and it points to the shaver by Manscaped. Oh, <laughs> you know? Okay. Yes. I mean, you're going to laugh. It's going to work everywhere you go. And Definitely. so here, the, the biggest thing is we need to stand out from the crowd if we're in marketing. Because people are overwhelmed. 
And so if you can't stand out from the crowd, it's like when you leave your home and you're driving past all these homes or apartments, okay? Mm -hmm. You're not going to look at them every day and go, oh, look at that, look at that. I mean, you pass them all every day. But one day you're driving down the street and you see flames coming out of your neighbor's window. Mm -hmm. You're going to go, huh, his house is on fire. Does he know it? Is my house going to get on fire? Okay. Right. It's a trigger. Our brain is wired for certain types to trigger, the certain triggers to trigger it. And so that's what we want with our products. We want flames coming out of our product. Yes. Like a Meta from Mars, learn from Venus. Yeah, I'm going through books, book, book, book. Meta from Mars, learn from Venus. What's that? <laughs> Pick it up, which is the first step to buying it is picking it up. Okay. We're buying yeah, on absolutely. Amazon, looking at it, going Meta from Mars, learn from Venus. What's that? Okay. And then checking it out. It has to be good. But if it's good, then you've got it already. You're, you're three quarters of the way to buying the product. And that's what you want is you want flames coming out of your product. So people are looking at product, product, ad, ad. Huh? What's that? Huh? And that's what Brain Glue focuses on is how that's do you get nice. flames coming out of your product or idea so that people actually want to buy it? Excellent. So, James, let me ask, as we're coming towards the end here, I want to ask you, what's the best way for people to learn more, learn more from you or... Uh, discover more what what would be the best approach so the first thing is if you go to yesbrainglue.com it'll take you to a page and it has all kinds of samples on it it shows you samples like squatty potty and pop tarts big ass fans and people oh, don't wow. realize about that okay he sold his he started a company he anyway there's a whole story on that but he sold it for 500 million dollars after 15 oh, years how many people sell their want to sell their company after and retire and they're lucky if they can get anything for it he got 500 True. million dollars i mean not a Amazing. Joke. It, it gives you examples famous amos you know and yes. it gives you lots of different examples and so you can see that on the on the site i mean hopefully you get the book but if yeah. you even don't get the book if you go to yesbrainglue.com it shows you it has testimonials and stuff so it talks about how it's blowing people's minds yeah, including billionaires, which is kind of nice. <laughs> yes, but, but, but it gives you examples so you can see how brain glue works and how, how it. I mean, it also gives you phrases, which is really funny. I mean, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That uses uh -huh. a tool called chiasmus. Uh, Malcolm X, the civil rights activist, said, You know, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, the rock landed on us. Okay, right. he has another line, he said, When you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Now, these mm -hmm. use a tool called chiasmus. And so it's just when you go through this and you start looking at, at the page, it shows you some a lot of examples so people can understand how powerful this is. Perfect. You know, I mean, it's just perfect. It's just it's, it's just amazing. I mean, that's amazing to me. And it, it works, you know. Yeah, perfect. I, well, thanks passed, for sharing that. I passed a, a million dollars of income. And I thought I was like, did I break the law? But like, how come so much <laughs> money is coming into my bank account? It's scary. Now, I'm perfect. used to it now. But I mean... <laughs> It's like, yeah. it's fun. I want to tell you guys, it's fun. So yesbrainglue.com will help you. Yeah, check it out. Yesbrainglue.com. Fantastic. Hey, James, I want to say thank you for being here, sharing so many, sharing so many golden nuggets and really explaining how the brain works from a persuasion point of view. Emotional selling, emotional selling triggers. I love it. Thank you. For those of you watching, listening, make sure you subscribe, you follow Share some comments as well. Tell us what you got out of this. What, what did James share with you that was like, aha, aha. And you can take that all the way to the bank. Remember to check James out at yesbrainglue.com. Yesbrainglue.com. James, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, Mac, thank you so much. This was lots of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Take care until we speak again. Much love. God bless everyone. Bye for now.